Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. It's New Year's Day, or as Kevin Godby calls it, Ow My Head. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you on New Year's Day, January 1st, 2019. Wishing you all a happy, healthy, and prosperous 2019. Uh, on tonight, on today's show, we have uh, in pipe parts. I'm going to review the uh, one of the new uh, one of the new Sutliff. Uh, Crumble cakes. It's the Virginia Perique. Yeah, I had to had to dive into the Virginia Perique first, of course, and then uh, we'll continue on with the uh, story times with the McNeils, and this time you'll hear uh, a little bit more of Mike than Mary, and then music. And uh, this is going to be fun in music, so stay tuned for that music, mailbag, and rant. All that coming up on the uh, first Pipes Magazine Radio Show of 2019. Um, I hope everybody had a good Christmas and a good holiday season. Hope everybody got a chance to you know, spend time with uh, friends, loved ones, relatives, and, and even more importantly, got a chance maybe to sit down with your pipe and just enjoy the holiday season and reflect a little bit. Uh, I do want to say that the <laughs> the Christmas Eve mashup show, that was a lot of fun to do. I had... I had more fun doing that than I think I've had doing a show in a long time. It was great to hang out with uh, with Bo and John David and record that on Christmas Eve and then get it ready for you guys as a podcast for Christmas Day. Uh, if you haven't seen the, uh, the live video, go over to Country Squire Radio on YouTube and you can watch it live <laughs> and see it, see it, uh, see it made. Um, anyway, uh, did everybody get uh, everybody get their uh, favorite pipe gift for Christmas? I uh, hope you did. If you didn't, you know, now's a good time to go out and buy it for yourself. If you get a chance, post pictures of it. And remember, uh, kicking off this year, we will have the Ask the Pipe Maker segment with Jeff Grasick of J. Allen Pipes. I've got a couple of good questions all set up and ready to go for them. But if you've got one, just email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, and we'll get those in the queue as well. Hopefully, we'll do those about uh, one a month. All right, let's get the show rolling so everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869.
And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and by request by many people. And when I mean many, I mean like more than I'm going to list off here. Uh, so recently, Sutliff Tobacco Company introduced a line of crumble cakes. I believe there's three in the line. There's a straight Virginia, a Virginia Perique, and an English. Uh, I'm going to review this time the Virginia Perique only because that was the one I wanted to get my hands on first, obviously, for, you know, personal reasons. Uh, so here it goes. Uh, first of all, it's packed in a, a flat round can and uh, nowhere on the front of the can does it really say the weight of the contents until you turn it over on the back and you see that it's one and a half ounces. So it's uh, just a it's not it's not a full 50 grams. It which kind of surprised me, but it's one and a half ounces. And I will say that the, uh, the label artwork is really classy. I, I really like what they did with it. Uh, crumb, you know, the crumble is in gold that matches the tin. Uh, the cake is spelled with a K A K E instead of C A K E. And the red of Virginia Perique matches the red around it. Just a, just a good looking label in my opinion. And we all know what I think of opinions, uh, cause I am the leading expert on it. Uh, anyway, the description reads, uh, generous amounts of Perique are combined with black Cavendish and a variety of mature red Virginias. The combination is then processed into an old-fashioned crumble cake to create a vapor lover's dream. Uh, and then it says, manufactured cell of tobacco company, Richmond, Virginia, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and it does have the new health warnings front and back. So that's nice to see that nicotine is an addictive chemical. No, nicotine nicotine makes me happy. Um, so my first impression was, first of all, the tin was really tightly sealed. Normally I can get my hands under it and pop and pop a lid and uh, pop an edge and get it going. Well, these were really tightly sealed. Then inside is the white little coffee filter, which I'm opening up now just to, as we go. And then... Inside that is a black uh, paper with some uh, with some sort of coating on it, and that's that's just a just an insert piece of paper there to keep the tobacco. Uh, I'm assuming from popping out of the coffee filter. Uh, inside of it, two chunks, two full you know two chunks almost the full size of the tin, uh, two square chunks of this crumbled cake. So it's two slices. And I hadn't really smoked a crumble cake in a while. So let me tell you my first impressions of the crumble cake. Uh, first of all, when I, when I smelled the tobacco, I was afraid it was going to burn a little hot because I was getting a little bit of that lemony, grassy, Virginia kind of smell out of it. Uh, but the, uh, the flakes and uh, the, the, the cakes themselves are nice and dark, uh, kind of oily feeling. And it looks like there's some, you know, some whole leaf in there or parts of whole leaf in there. But when you look at the sides of it, it's definitely cut processed leaf. So I'm not sure why it appears to have some whole leaf in it because it doesn't. Uh, on smoking it or getting it ready to smoke, the cakes fell apart really easily. So I will warn you, I did have some problems because of the small cut of leaf and by the time you crumble it up there's really not much of a large uh, uh large portions of tobacco in there 
you got to be careful with packing the bowl too tight and getting the bottom of the bowl plugged up. That did happen to me a couple of times. And again, I haven't smoked a crumble cake in I don't know how long. I mean, it's been a long, long time. So uh, it took me a little bit of practice to get back to it. Uh, overall impressions, once I did get it smoking and got it smoking really well in a pipe, was there wasn't any of that hotness to it. Uh, I would not suggest putting it in a group two or group three size bowl because that smaller bowl will lean towards heating up in a group four or group five or a large, you know, medium to larger size pipe. When I smoked it, I didn't get any of that bite. I got a good amount of perique. And when it says a generous amount of perique, they are not kidding. I got a good amount of Virginia sweetness out of it. And I was wondering what some of the other little sweetness that I was getting. Uh, and then the Black Cavendish kind of answered that. Uh, the Virginias in there don't play a huge part. They play more of a background part, in my opinion. Uh, but other than that, good all the way to the bottom. And again, this is probably uh, two or three months out of the, you know, out of the factory since, uh, you know, since this was produced heavily suggest that this would age really well and with the tightness of the tins i bet it would age a long time uh on tobacco reviews of this one in particular there's only two i'll read the one from sasquatch because he's a little more critical of it than i am um, and he says i can't give this four stars it's a nice presentation smells like good clean vapor fun in the tin a little sharp but some deeper tastes are promised in the tin note busted up filled and lit no trouble it is a little sharp at first but settles down into a pleasant but to me unremarkable vapor sort of taste it hits me as a little unrefined to be honest if i think of navy rolls or any other uh, real classic vapors i'm reminded of the balance they offer the interplay between sweet virginia's leaf selected for body and perique I find that missing here. It's got a little spice and enough sweetness to balance it, but the basic flavor is just that, a little spice and a little sweetness, and I don't have a lot else to hold on to. I could not, for example, specify how this is in any way better than Sutliff's other vapor, the 1849. Uh, glad I tried it, and I'll throw a tin in the cellar, but this isn't the same class to me as, the, as other top-notch vapors like Solani 633, Gallus cabbie and uh, scottish cake it lacks a softness and a fullness which these are all present room notes sees approval from mrs squatch uh, i can see i can see some of what he's talking about and i can disagree with some of what he's talking about i can say that i think this is uh more this is more closer to the mcclellan style of virginia periques than anything out on the market i will be real interested to see how well it ages over the next year or two to see if it really develops that full bouquet of sweet and uh, periki punch that i love so there you go sutliff crumble cake virginia perique uh definitely one i'll be uh looking into in the future all right in just a minute we'll continue story times with the mcneils <laughs> This is Internet Radio. 
Meet Aaron, one of the most important people at SmokingPipes.com. In our shipping department, he's one of the cogs in the highly efficient wheel, if you will, that's responsible for making sure your order goes out right every time. Ain't that right, Aaron? I don't know all about that cog and the wheel stuff, but I do know at SmokingPipes.com, I take my work very seriously. Pulling tents of tobacco, weighing bulk tobacco, triple checking orders, and getting them out the door. Since it's so easy to order from SmokingPipes.com, you're keeping Aaron pretty darn busy. Look at him go, go, go. <laughs> In fact, it's been a challenge to get him to stop long enough to say hello. But Aaron doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why is that, Aaron? Because I don't just ship pipes. I smoke them. Gotta run. <laughs> just log on to SmokingPipes.com or call us at 1-888-366-0345. We are quality. We are experts. We are SmokingPipes.com. And we are back, and here we go with Mike and Mary McNeil. And remember when we last left off, Mike was kind of talking about some of the other folks in the industry and uh, some of the other companies. So we kind of pick up right there. You know, it's getting out there, getting the consumers to realize you're you're doing some good work. And I always admired, you know, Dunhill and, and Rat Ray and all of them. I just thought those guys were fans. Alfred was, you know, the master. He was the genius of the industry. I mean, my God, back in the day, it, you know, you'd have three cans and a presentation box. That's how you bought it. I mean, it was just, it was just fantastic. And uh, we tried to do, you know, good, great packaging if we could. And, and the bag and the wax seal, we were still doing it on our anniversary when we came out with that. We just couldn't do bags and seals on every can. My God, we'd be sitting there 40 hours a day. <laughs> Maybe you hire people and they do wax. And we were using real wax, not the phony plastic stuff. We were heating the wax. We had an emblem. And we'd put the emblem in, in ice and then so it wouldn't stick to the wax. And you'd pour, pour it on and then stamp it in. You know, so you had the whale showing. It's great. But you can't do it when you've got, you know, 100-some different cans. That's all you'd be doing is wax sealing all day. Did the uh, did the retailers at those first few shows look at you like you were kind of crazy to come out with a tobacco company in the eighties? I think late seventies. So. I don't think most of them thought we'd last two weeks. Except again, John Hayes, those kind of guys would say, "Yeah, I'll give you a chance. I really think you're doing great, and you have a good product, and I'm going to do it." I can remember back at the Dallas show, I believe in '92, the drones showed up. That's where I met George in uh, Orlando, and one of the Chicago retailers came to me and said, look, Mike, th their cigar is really good. Can you bring some accounts over? And I said, well, I'll try it first. I'm not going to – I don't push a retailer to do anything. If I like it, I'll take them over. And I liked it, and I took by 20 accounts. They didn't even have an account yet. Look at them now. they got an empire. Yeah. They're all over the world. Not that I did that. They would have done it anyway. But that's that's how things can happen when you go to the show and you start to get to know people and they start trying. I took the McCrannies over. They they were one group I took over with the drones. And I assume they're still selling. Yeah, and talk about a hard sale. Um, let, let's talk about the beginning of Frog Martin. Who who gave you know who's the who's the parent to the tadpole? <laughs> Well, uh, 
back when Frogmorton came into existence, one of our big accounts was uh, Levin Pipes International, uh, based in Craftsbury, Vermont. That was Barry Levin and his wife, Kathy. And they lived on a farm up in the woods in Vermont. And uh, they managed in the pre-internet days to carve out a little uh, niche, for a big niche for themselves in uh, estate pipes. Yeah. And uh, they would send out mailers uh, with photographs, and uh, they had a nice business, and they wanted to expand into, into tobaccos. And uh, they bought uh, early on, like in 1987, I think it began, uh, Barry bought 5100 and 5105. And then he bought other bulk things. And, and, and then he started buying tins as his business in the tobacco expanded. And uh, he uh, liked... Uh, uh, woodsy names for things. And one of his names that he came up with was Frog Morton. And that just hit me. I, I didn't see it as just a, a name, just a place or uh, uh, what I saw with that name was a little frog, a little pipe smoking Victorian <laughs> frog. And I didn't see, it was just plain Frog Morton. Well, I made him capital F for Frog, capital M for Morton. So kind of like uh, McTavish or uh, Van Meter uh, it was Frog Morton. And I did a little, the, the uh, original drawing of the frog on the log uh, in black and white. And they got it, and they were all excited about it. And Kathy took uh, uh, colored pencils, and she colored it. And it was, we all liked that. And so <laughs> it was to be sold uh, exclusively through Levin Pipes uh, International. And that, the first, I was looking at, just, at this just the other night, trying to think about it. I think that first sale of frog morton when was that mike 93 or no it, it was earlier than that wasn't it we gave yes, it like it was. 10 cans the first time yeah yeah <laughs> what was that maybe 92 yeah it was formally introduced she had a flyer downstairs when it was formally introduced uh oh that's right i do but, but my it. wife created all the blends. That's that's she did the first frog morton. Well, all of them on the town, uh, across the pond, all of them. Yeah. So, Mary, and how I did let her do it? How did that work? Did I mean those were blends that were created for Barry Levin's line, and then did he? Did you send him samples, and he tried stuff and said yes, no, yes, no, back and forth? Right, pretty nice. But he went with with her uh, instincts, and see, he died in, in March eighth of ninety four. I remember because it was right yes, mid mid September of ninety three was when he first announced Frog Morton. I just found it. But see, he never saw the other Frog Mortons because he died in ninety four. 
Yeah, in the and spring. Mike, Mike Butera was the one that called me and told me die because Mike Butera was making pipes and Barry was selling through his mailers. And by the way, he was sending out, it was gut-wrenching for Barry because he was sending out 6,000 mailers a month. The, mail, the mailers would have like, you know, 10, 15 photographs of pipes. Wow. 6,000 a month. I mean, he was, way, he was moving more pipes especially reconditioned than, than anybody ever dreamed of doing. He really started that whole thing. And he ended up being Jim Cook was doing some of the restoration work. So and, you know, good Jim Barry Cook was is. something else. When we, we went to visit him in the fall of 93. 93. And this was after we got married in July of 93. And then that was kind of one of the first trips we took together. And we went up there, and uh, uh, it, in the middle of the night, the phone would ring, and Barry would answer, and he would be talking to these customers, these consumers, at 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning. <laughs> I mean, he was like some kind of counselor. He was solving life's problems. People were calling him and, and talking night. about their marriage and the problems they were having. And he'd hear the fax machine at 3 a.m. and I'd hear him walking across the floor and calling the guy. <laughs> so, I mean, the stress, the, even Barry's, Barry's stress level was really high. I mean, he was, you know, he was obsessed about it and all that. And I, I bet him what, what killed him was his heart valve went bad one day and he just fell over on the kitchen floor. I mean, I don't yeah. think they said it was a birth defect, and there's a time bomb waiting to go off. I mean, that's what the doctor said. No, and and it was something where you couldn't have detected it back then. Maybe they can now, but it was just doomed. And then you know the family kind of fell apart. And we ended up getting all the cans back. Yeah, and, we tried uh, to have. We sent them all out to uh, where was it? Oregon or California? I think it was Oregon to Kathy. Because she was California. Was it California? And then she couldn't take it anymore. She said, I can't take it. I begged her to stay in it because hundreds of customers were calling me saying, What? I know it's bad, but I want Dark Star. You know, they're driving me crazy. I said, Look, Cass, you got to keep moving here. You know, you can cry, but cry while you're packing a box. I mean, they're they're, they're (laughs) on. You know, we make this work. We can make it work. We just got to keep moving. And she She just just called me. I can't. I can't do it. I don't want to do it. And sent them all back to me. We paid her. You know, a lot of more damage. I paid her anyway. And then, then that's, you know, when everything kept going. And then we had Frogmore ex- expanded wide and just kept moving on it. Yeah, Mike, your, yeah. Mike your, your empathy and your, uh, yeah, and, and your, your, your sentiment towards her is, uh, you know, is touching. Uh, just crying, no, keep packing to, I boxes. Real, I begged her to keep going, Brian. I mean, I, I said, look, I'll help you. I know it's, it may have sound bad, but people are calling her. She's not answering the phone. I said, you can have a good business here, Kathy. You don't have to spend all the time Barry did. All you got to do is keep shipping, and you can make a, a good living, and everything can be fine. I mean, I begged her to do it. I, I was looking out for. So what? And she just couldn't handle it emotionally, I guess. 
what products originally? I mean, what which products were you making for Barry Levin that you have that you had after you know that you had before you closed? Dark Star, St. James Woods, British Woods, Bombay Court, Bombay Extra. Uh, the, the black, originals. the black label, all the black label. Personal Reserve series. Personal yeah. Reserve, and then the uh, Craftsbury series, Virginia Woods, Deep Hollow, all those. So that so I mean, losing Barry Levin was you know that that was a big blow to you guys because that was, that was a good customer. That's right. It was. It was, but there were so many that wanted it, Brian. It just, and then once we started shipping, it just took off because they were waiting for it. And, you know, once once the guy likes Blackwoods, that's all he wants. He doesn't want anything else. And we'll take a break right here and come back with more of Mike and Mary McNeil. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 Collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking Archibaldino red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. And we are back, and we'll continue with my friends Mike and Mary McNeil. Yeah, and then you start yeah. to, and then you expand the Frog Morton line afterwards on your own, right? Yeah, we did. Uh, and it, other stuff. It just it ended up being, I think, two hundred and thirty or two hundred thirty-five products. Not just from that line, but just total with aromatics and everything it just it, it was an overwhelming number but we were doing them and that's why we were living downtown <laughs> i mean if you if you left for 15 minutes to go into sandwich you're already behind you know everybody wanted it they're calling we had hundreds of accounts we we're selling to russia china japan australia israel and they were coming to us we didn't do any sales they were just we They'd come to us, and we were supplying Malaysia and everything. And uh, it was absolutely incredible. We never looked for overseas business. It just came to us. And, and part of that, part of that, too, is the disappearance of the old stuff. I got up years ago and in front of the Kansas City Pipe Club, and I said, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read off a list of the stuff that's gone. My God, I must have read a hundred different products. And I said, and that doesn't even include all of them. I'm just telling you what, how it changes with the English, you know, like Alan Schwartz, who you've interviewed, said there used to be 90 blenders in England. Well, for years, there's been zero. 
Yeah. There were hundreds of uh, blenders. They're all gone. Uh, Mary, can we talk about Frog Morton on the town and in, in particular the art, the, the artwork for that? Because I don't think we talked about that when you were first on. And and I and I want you to talk about the modeling of Frog with the top hat for you. <laughs> well, my model for Frog Morton on the town was uh, Mike in the kitchen with a broom and and a top hat. And the top hat. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian, she always rode a broom to work, so it was easy. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, don't, don't worry, Mary, if he starts. I thought that was funny. I, I, got, I got plenty of ammunition for you, so we'll, we'll, just, we'll just fire back. You, you got to admit, that was a funny remark now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the dancing frog in the street. That, I had a photograph of uh, Fred Astaire dancing, and I kind of <laughs> used that as a little bit of a model for that one. Ah, uh, that's funny. All right, now, uh, so, so Frog Morton's in 1993. Um, you know, 5100 Red Cake is a spun-out tobacco. It's not exactly mm -hmm. a cake. And in 1992, you come out with Christmas cheer, which really doesn't have much of a traditional Christmas flavor to it. So no. <laughs> give us the idea behind Christmas cheer and why it's called Christmas cheer. And well, we brought it out at, before Christmas, and it was uh, to be a treat, a really nice treat that we brought it out at the RTDA in the summer and the whole idea was that they were to sell it and the customer was asked not to open it until christmas and it was just a wonderful virginia a really fabulous virginia and we just try to have it be you know cinnamon virginia or or anything like that we just wanted the straight product a, a, a real treat and it was to be something that was limited uh, which it was. Uh, we found really special leaf, and uh, and uh, we intended to do it just once, one year, 15th anniversary. That was the big deal. And uh, people were just so uh, enthusiastic about it and wanted us to continue uh, that we, we thought, well, yeah, well, maybe we should continue this uh, if we can. But but for the next year, we didn't have leaf set aside. We couldn't do it. So we waited. We got uh, new leaf that was different and and excellent and and would be different enough, you know, to maintain the 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 concept. And uh, and so then in '86 we did it again, and then we did it every year. Uh, after that, and it was uh, a really nice product and a challenge for us and great fun. And the, was it the first the first one in a can? Was that in '92? Uh, yeah, '92. Yeah, I'm sorry. 90, What's matter? It, it, it was '92. Then we skipped '93. Then '94. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm off on another track here. Well, you also got me confused because I've been sitting here doing the math on Frog Morton in September of 93 and realized we just missed his 25th birthday. 
It's a good how point. Uh, yeah, how about that? Mike, well, we, we all... when, when, when we hang up, you can have a candlelight vigil. Well, oh. and, and Mike, we also missed Mickey Mouse's 90th birthday, which means that Minnie Mouse, your favorite, is 90 years old, too. That's oh, true. my goodness. But still looks the same. Yeah. Um, so going back to Christmas cheer, was there uh, so each each you know each year was a was a slightly different product, uh, but it a was a different the, crop, a different vintage of Virginia, and it, with its unique character. So there, so there were obviously there were years that you know one of you might liked better than the other, or you know, but either way, it was it was just something special that for that year and. Not intended to, uh, not intended to be smoked except for you know one can on Christmas, and now you have people that were smoking it all year long. Yeah, and mainly reds. In '96, I believe, I, I don't know if it was my stupid idea or not, but I thought, well, I'll stove part of it and kind of make something similar to Blackwoods, and my God. You think that I ran over everybody's mothers because guys bitched and complained like you wouldn't. Why'd you do that? Why'd you? Okay, all right. I'll just do the straight reds and calm down on me here. I mean, they went crazy. They bought it all up, but they complain. You know, they want to open it up. And go, aha! There it is again. And I put, <laughs> you know, stove in it, which is of course black, like blackwoods, and they they went crazy on me. I'm like okay, all right. So I went. We went back to you know seeking out of you know the mercy of the big North Carolina guys looking for the special red crops, so we could do Christmas cheer, and uh, it it just worked great. Uh, one of your other more uh, more popular now legendary status tobaccos is uh, McCraney's Red Ribbon. How did who? Now, well, there's another one that we sought out special leaf only because we love Trent and Todd, and uh, they, Trent especially is one picky dude. Let me tell you, <laughs> but he's right. I mean, he's a quality-seeking guy, and boy, I'm telling you to please him. It had to be special. <laughs> it was tough. It was tough. If there was a change. You know, on another crop, boy, I'm telling you, it was easier to go up Mount Everest with, you know, naked. So I, he, but but that's the way he is, and, and I really appreciate that in him, and he cares the same way. I mean, it's either great or guess what? I don't want it. I mean, and, here, uh, you know, that's kind of the way we were all our years at work. You know, if, if we did some test or whatever, we had some idea we didn't like it, we just threw it in the trash. I mean, it, you, you, we, we could never just put something out and go, well, there it is, we'll make some money. We always tried really hard to be the best we could be. You know, did we, did we make it every time? Well, I never felt like I. People come up to me. And say, what's the best thing you ever made? And I said, I don't know. I haven't made it yet. I, I never felt like I made anything great. I, I tell you that right now. I was always, I, I'd always do it and think, well, God, can I do better? Or you know, what, 
what can I do? I never felt like, my God, I've hit the, the uh, Nirvana now. I never felt like that. All right, so in ninety in ninety two you do Christmas cheer ninety three I believe is when the first red ribbon comes out from that eighty three crop or you know, my, yeah yeah and and that you want to you want to talk about finding finding a hen's tooth find a can of red ribbon packed in ninety three um, what you know, who else was doing red Virginias back then and what was the inspiration to even try to do them because i can't think of any red virginias or orange virginias that were on the market there might have been what a few straight virginia flakes i you know i personally i always liked the red virginia it was richer and if i could if you could find one with high natural sugar at 22 23 percent uh, to me, it was just the way to go. In fact, speaking of Trent McCranny, one year, I had a can of cigarettes. It's some canned cigarettes, 50 in a can. And they, and this can was called 15s. I don't know why, made in England by amalgamated tobacco probably 60-some years ago. And this was years ago, and I, I found Trent. He was at the show in his booth at the Chicago Pipe Show. I said, hey, I got this can of cigarettes. And, and we had opened them, and they were actually hand-rolled. They probably weren't 65 years. You could tell they were hand-rolled, and I think some of the companies did it. And it was all red Virginia. And he, I remember he put it in his mouth, and he tasted it with his tongue. He goes, my God, it's still sweet tasting. <laughs> and we, in fact, we got busted by the cops because we lit up in there by the door, and the guy started yelling at us, get out of here. You can't smoke them in here. We went outside, and I said, my God, Trent, this, I opened one up. I said, it's all red Virginia, and it's it's just sweet. Like, you know, even after all those years, it starts losing some in the cigarette cans. But you can you realize, at least I can, what they were doing. In other words, Carreras Brothers, who were famous and made Craven pie tobacco, which turned in the Arcadia and Craven cigarettes in cans. And remember, if you remember correctly, back when I got a can from Frank Burla that was done in 1917 and I opened them, you know, and they were still fantastic. And you could, was it the same as that? No, but, it's not the same as 1917, but you could tell what it was. If you'd walked up to the line, go, get in a time machine, go back, and then stand there at Carreras when they were making black cat cigarettes and Cravens or the pipe tobacco, right? and tried to be like, you could probably smell the Virginia for about three miles away. <laughs> and just let it, the, the old guys will tell you when they used to go to auctions out of North Carolina, Virginia. They could smell the sweet smell of Virginia coming in the windows of the car. This would have been, you know, 60s, 70s. They could, they could find their way to the auction house from the sweet smell of Virginia on the auction floor just coming out of the car windows. And that's what Carreras would have smelled like. I smell it two miles away, you know. Sweet and, Afton and, was another wonderful brand. Oh, Sweet yeah. Afton came in a yellow slide pack. Made in Ireland by P.J. Carroll. In fact, Al Tomasello, 
he's probably long gone now. I talked to him for years. He used to call me and he'd get all these tobacco, pipe tobaccos from all over the world and send me stuff. And he, he loved Seven Reserve and all that. <clears throat> he smoked some of ours, but he started getting Sweet Aftons out of Ireland from PJ Carroll somehow and was sending me cartons of them. You know, no filter, some of the greatest Virginia on the planet. And uh, that was, oh, they're gone. You know, they're long gone. Uh, I, they probably couldn't do it now, you know, the way these big companies are. And, if, and I've seen it time and time again, where if you're not bringing in $100 million, they don't want to look at you anymore. <laughs> that doomed that. It doomed uh, some of the other smaller companies. And uh, they just shut them down, you know. So you mentioned the Chicago Pipe Show. When was the what was the first pipe show that McClellan went to? Uh, oh, there's a good question. Yeah, I'm full of them. <laughs> it might have been one of the PCI Pipe Collectors International shows. Was that it, Maria? That's that could be back when Barry and Bob Hamlin were were running those shows. <laughs> We went to one in Washington, D.C., and did that we go to one in it. Chicago? I don't remember, but that might have been it. That might have been our first Pike show with, with Hamlin, the Pike Collectors International. I think that was probably it. You know, the years kind of meld together, Brian, so where, and they were even back five years ago, you know, would was going on last month, Mike? Oh, I don't know. I mean, everything starts melding together, <laughs> and uh, you just you, you can't remember each because you don't really have time to sit and remember each event. You're just you're moving along like ninety miles an hour, and you're worried about next week, and you can't even remember the first pipe. So you probably remember your first pipe, Joe, right? Well. I, Mary, I think I remember your favorite pipe show ever. The, the most, the, the most spectacular one that you attended and, and Mike wasn't there and it had nothing to do with the fact that Mike wasn't there. Um, but I, I think it was your favorite pipe show ever. If you know which one I'm talking about. Is that the one that you and I made a cake or served cake at? That would be it, and <laughs> and I'll 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 take some time and tell the story because I think um, the the year before that was the uh, was the it was like it was like November right after the nineteenth Richmond Core Show, the Conclave of Richmond Pipe Smokers Show, and I called you and we started working on this idea of making. Uh, tobacco tins that looked like a cake. Uh, I had a. I was working for Peter Stokeby, and I had a large hundred gram round can that your little fifty gram squat tin, the the shorter one that you used for uh, Arcadia and Black Shag, uh, mm -hmm. fit right inside the lid. Uh, and then I ordered labels for them, and I actually officially. Well, I had some help from my family, uh, but um, I, I actually worked for McClellan for about 250 tins that I labeled on the living room floor and put the correct stickers <laughs> on and then hot glued them to the tops of 
the Peter Stokeby tobaccos. Um, and then we just gave them to the club to sell for proceeds. And we kept a couple for ourselves, I think, because I've got two sets here somewhere. Uh, but the best part was the day, the, uh, a couple days before the show, I got that same logo in emailed it to a local grocery store that had a bakery and got two full-size sheet cakes with that with the uh, with the cores with a core birthday message on it and we had the Stokeby table then we had the McClellan table and then we had the free cake for everybody table <laughs> right between <laughs> us that was great fun yeah and Mike wasn't there because the dog was sick or something no, I had an operation on his leg and had stitches. I had to watch it. But since you bring that up, <laughs> there's a, there's another guy, Peter Stokeby, who was the greatest salesman that ever lived in the pipe tobacco industry. I think you'd agree to that. The retailers yeah. loved him. I'd walk the uh, big national show with him, and I'd have to stop every five feet because retailers are – shaking his hand and their wives were kissing him right on the mouth they were absolutely <laughs> yeah. in love with that guy and and he was just a great guy i really enjoyed being around him he would come to kansas city calling the retailers who got the dinner and uh boy you just don't see those kind of guys anymore but he was a true gentleman and i was proud to know him yeah he was... he was a lot of fun he knew how to have fun he did one of the best books uh, echo books was his memoir did you ever read that <laughs> i i read the draft copy and i got a final copy <laughs> i loved the story of the way he and his wife got married they went on one of those game shows yeah and uh and uh, got married on the show in order to get all the loot, the kitchen appliances and everything that were offered. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that? That yeah. was so funny. And it was so, you could just see that. Wow. You could just see him doing it and, and just it being such a, a fun, cool thing. If he did it, it was cool. I mean, I think the show was called uh, Bride for a Day or something like that. So, yeah, something like that. Yeah, many years ago when I was younger, I before I even knew him, I guess I was doing pipe tobacco, but I saw at a convenience store a pack of cigarettes called Free. Yes. <laughs> and that was one of his major failures that he went on and on about one night when we were talking somewhere. And I picked up a pack. Hell, I could smell them from, from three feet away. It was actually ground cocoa bean shells, and it was the first attempt to get away from nicotine and tobacco and just have a cigarette that just didn't have tobacco. And I bought it, and I thought, my God, these things stink. And I lit it up, and it was god off. It was even I, worse. <laughs> and I was thinking, whoever invented this is going to fail, and fail they did. <laughs> but you know peter was very creative at the shows and sometimes they'd be wearing you know doctor jackets and you know they're doctors at tobacco and they're you know he always had fun at the booths and he'd have dark boards and you know golfing things to get your discount and all that kind of stuff <laughs> yeah we were just stodgy and boring but but he always <laughs> he always had 
just a great time. And you know that, Brian. You saw him for years, and you worked for him. So, yeah. Yeah, it's just yeah. kind of remembering one of the greats of the industry. There's a lot of great guys that were in it back in the old days. And uh, and uh, they were a big, a lot of them were a big help to us. And uh, Wayne helped us out when we were in trouble, too. David Michaud and all of them. And uh, just and we were we were competitors. Man. We were smaller, but we we're still selling aromatics. To, but they their sales they'd have thirty two at their booth salesmen at the old retail tobacco dealers association shows. There he would actually instruct his men to come if somebody wanted matured Virginia flakes. He instructed his men to bring the retailer over to our booth, Brian. Yep. And uh, that's kind of the way we all operate. We never went after each other. We were respectful for each other's things they were doing. Every Everybody had their thing they were doing, and we specialized in, in cakes, and they didn't make them. And that is where we will leave off today. I've had the opportunity to smoke some of those really old cigarettes, and you know, if now every time I watch an old movie from the 40s, 50s, 60s, and I see the guys take a couple puffs off of a cigarette and put it out, I think, oh, Lord, they just... They just killed one of those beautiful, wonderful cigarettes and never to be had again. All right, we'll be back in just a minute. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at C&D, as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the New Year's Day edition 2019 of the Pipes Magazine radio show and uh, music. All right, the Grammy nominations are out. And uh, two uh, two people affiliated with the Pipes Magazine radio show are nominated for Grammys. No, it's not me. Uh, two, Dom Flemons, who is a guest back a couple of years ago, uh, has an album called The Black Cowboys, and it was nominated, as well as uh, Scott Thiele's son, Chris, and the Punch Brothers, their album, All Ashore. So we're going to have our own Pipes Magazine radio show Grammy voting, and here's how it's going to go. Uh, this week, I'm going to play a song from the Punch Brothers, and then next week, I'll pick a song off of uh, Dom Flemons' album. And then at the end of uh, the two weeks, I'll have you guys vote, and whoever gets the most votes uh, should win the uh, Pipes Magazine Radio Show Grammy Award, which will be you know absolutely nothing but a warm feeling in their hearts if they find out that they won. Uh, anyway, that's, uh, that, that's how the awards are going to go. Uh, the song that we're going to play is called Jungle Bird and it's off the Punch Brothers Grammy nominated album, All Ashore. Mm-hmm. 
can find the Punch Brothers on Spotify like I did. You can download it on iTunes. And, of course, that is uh, Chris Thiele, Scott Thiele's son on Mandolin. Remember, don't vote yet. Wait till next week until we've played both of them. And we'll have the Pipes Magazine radio show Grammy Award winner two weeks later. You've got freaking mail. All right, in the mailbag, we got a little bit to get caught up on from two weeks ago with uh, Noel Ebling on the show and Casey Ghost writes, good show as always. Hopefully I will get to enjoy another year with pipe smoking involved. Uh, Noel was a good guest, very articulate and open. He took a little different path to making pipes than most being as he was well-grounded in woodworking. I was wondering why the interview was a little short, but after you went through the mailbag, I knew why. Man, there was a lot of stuff. (laughs) I don't like much of the modern form of rock music, but Queen was an exception. But like most rockers, they just aren't very good with Christmas music. (laughs) And that's from Dan Casey Ghost. And then Crash the Gray writes, uh, Pleasant interview this week. I laughed when you mentioned the porch, uh, the porch thief trap video i instantly thought of you when i saw that a little late but i thought i would report that the annual northeast slow smoke competition and holiday party was a big hit put on by the hudson valley pipe club and k woody near fishkill new york uh, back on the 8th of december have a happy christmas hopefully i'll have time to catch the live show but if not i'll listen to the podcast and one of these days i've got to get up to that uh, get up to the the slow smoke competition up there at K Woody. It sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, and then going back to uh, going to last week, the big Christmas party, uh, Dino said, watch the show on YouTube and heard the song here on the pipes magazine site, a fun show. JD and Bo were their usual down home boys. You guys worked well together, a great version of let there be peace by Voctive. And I love the McClellan's Mearsham. Have a happy new year. Dino. Uh, Dino, thank you, and the same to you. Uh, and then going to the, uh, the the YouTube feed of the show from last week, uh, Tim Greenwood said, I wish I had a pipe community. My wife and I are the only ones in our family that enjoy sitting down and smoking a pipe. Uh, it definitely has a culture against it. Uh, Tim, I'll just say you ought to be happy that your wife will sit and smoke a pipe with you. So there you go. You got, you got the, uh, the Greenwood Family Pipe Club. Uh, Doug Owen wrote, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, J.D., Bo, and Brian. Sorry I missed the live feed. Our store was crazily busy on Christmas Eve, which, of course, I'm grateful for. Christmas memories in the tobacco trade are numerous for me. Brian may remember that back in the dark ages of the 70s and 80s, many tobacco shops, including ours, sold high-grade cigarettes as well as uh, pipe tobacco and cigars. At our tinderbox in Portland on Christmas Eve, we always had a number of regular customers that would bring us gifts. One of them presently comes to mind. He was our best customer for Players Navy Cut Non-Filter Cigarettes and also a wonderful smoke by State Express 555, also non-filter. The Virginia leaf in these things was so rich you could virtually smoke them without inhaling to enjoy the full flavor. Well, one Christmas Eve, he brought us one of the best plum puddings I, I have ever tasted. I got to talking to him about the recipe, and he said the key to a great plum pudding was the inclusion of suet in the mix, followed by a very rich hard sauce, which apparently is a very high-content sugar frosting, 
topped with a high-proof liquor, which is poured over the dome of the pudding at the table and set afire. Always a risky end to dinner after copious glasses of whiskey and red wine. Anyway, once again, you guys have jogged uh, pleasant memories from my past Christmas Eve, I always fire up my Peterson Deluxe Billiard, the first high-grade pipe I ever owned with the extinct Dunhill 965. Heavenly, keep puffing. Uh, Doug also reminded me one of my uh, Christmas Eve traditions was, uh, you know, when I was working for tobacco companies, was to go help out in a tobacco shop on Christmas Eve. Just, you know, go to McCraney's and help them stock the shelves or answer questions for people and uh, hang out there. Uh, Jeff Madre writes, I must admit to sudden intense jealousy when Brian showed off that McClellan Meerschaum. What a special pipe. Uh, Felix wrote, this was a fabulous episode of Grand Slam. All three should collaborate more often. Merry Christmas and a blessed new year. Thank you. Uh, Damon wrote, what a wonderful Christmas treat. Best wishes to all of you uh, and to you as well. Fletch uh, said, thanks for teaming up on this show. Great show. And then Glenn, same thing. What a, what a fun, special Christmas video. Thanks to all three of you. And I will reiterate again how much fun I had doing it. If you have any comments or questions, the best way to get them to me is to post them on the Pipes Magazine radio shows page on PipesMagazine.com or email me, Brian, at PipesMagazine.com, and I will get them to you. And in just a moment, the first rant of 2019. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Retail clothing world needs to listen to me and listen to me now. I like t-shirts. I have a bunch of t-shirts. I got a handful of t-shirts for Christmas, especially Mickey Mouse t-shirts. Uh, but I'm not blaming Mickey Mouse for this, of course. But here's what the retail world needs to do. You know those little things they call they call them hang tags, and it's the price tag or the stuff that's attached to the to the shirt, so you know how much it is. So it's attached by a little plastic piece that pierces through the clothing. Well, now, this, especially this Christmas, what I've noticed is instead of it piercing through the clothing, they're putting it through like the collar or the hem around the neck. And the little end piece is stuck inside the, inside the little hem. Well, how the hell are you supposed to get it out? You don't want to pull it through because if you pull it through, it puts a bigger hole in there. And it's on the outside of it. Now, if you cut it or break it off, you're stuck with that little piece floating around in the collar of your neck. So guess what I did? Yeah, I guess what I did. When I broke them off, I went back, the two that I could, I took them back to the store and said, I want another one. 
I exchanged them or returned them when I could because I didn't want, in particular with these two t-shirts, I didn't want that stupid little piece of plastic floating around in there and scratching on my neck. I wear t-shirts for comfort around the house. I just want to throw a t-shirt on. I don't want to have something sticking me in the neck. And for sure, I don't want a stupid little piece of plastic floating around in my t-shirt for the rest of its eternity. And I don't want to pull it and get that hole through it. With all of modern technology we've got today, the retail world has to come up with some better way of attaching a price tag or attaching a hang tag, as they call it, to a piece of clothing so that we can comfortably buy them, own them, and wear them. Uh, also want to take a moment to mention and thank all of you that have reached out to me on uh, trips or travel stuff. Uh, this is the beginning of the busy season for cruises. So if you're thinking about going on a cruise anytime this year, reach out to me, brian.levine at mei-travel. This is when all the uh, when all the deals have come out, and uh, this is when the cruise ships start putting their big push on. Uh, but again, thanks to everybody that's reached out to me. I appreciate it. Even if it's just for advice on travel, I'm happy to help. So brian.levine at mei-travel dot com or brian at pipesmagazine.com uh once again thanks to mike and mary for joining me thank you all for tuning in happy new year and until next time Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to the Merry New Year! Happy New Year. In this country, we say Happy New Year. Happy New Year!